Good morning. morning. So good to be in the house with you guys. I want to also say hello to everyone on spring break somewhere else. Isn't this cool that you can go on spring break and no more excuses? You still... (laughs) I want you here, man. Go on spring break and you get here on Sunday. And you did it. If you're uh, watching somewhere outside DeKalb County, would you put in the chat, please, um, like where you're watching, where you're, you're worshiping from this morning? Maybe you're on a highway. Hopefully, you're not the one driving. Uh, <laughs> Disney World, extra points if you're actually uh, like, like in Orlando doing the whole Disney thing. Extra points for you um, because, you know, we're jealous is all. Um, but yeah, put something in the chat if you're out of town today. I'm Pastor Adam, I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and I'm very blessed to be able to be a part of this uh, new series that we are doing. Uh, thank you, Dad, for giving me a chance to keep speaking. I appreciate you, and I want to honor you. Um, this, uh, this series that we're doing is, wait, what? There's some things that happen in the Bible. It's like, it's like you, you read it, like you've re- you, maybe you read it before, but then you go back through again, and you read something, and you're like, wait, hey, 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 What? Today we're talking about the Bible. Let me tell you one of these wait what stories. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, there was a story of a guy named Josiah. And you see, Josiah's dad and his dad before him were very evil kings. Like, they, they, they took the altar that was dedicated to God, and they dedicated it to, like, demonic gods. They sacrificed children on the altars that were consecrated for God. Evil, evil kings. That was, that was Josiah's grandpa, and then Josiah's dad, his son, the Bible says that, that his son followed in the ways of his father. And then when Josiah comes about as the king, the Bible says that Josiah followed in the steps of his father, David. So not his father, but great, great, great father. Josiah was, you know, the good guy. He tried to do things God's way. And he was doing his best, but you see, they had lost God's word. They had lost the law. They had lost the covenant. They didn't have a copy of it. So Josiah was trying to do what, you know, the people around him probably were telling him, like, hey, this is the right thing, Josiah. And then, funny thing happens, there's a, in 2 Chronicles 34, there's a secretary named Shaphan, and he says, hey, King Josiah, we found this book. Now, when I read that, I, like, I hear a little soundtrack in the, the back of my mind. King Josiah, we found a book. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> they found a book. You won't believe what it says. And... And he read it to Josiah. This would have been the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It would have included verses like Deuteronomy 14. This is what King Josiah listened to. It would have included things like, however, those that chew the cud or have a divided hoof, you may not eat the camel, the rabbit, or the hyrax, although they chew the cud. They do not have a divided hoof. They are ceremonially unclean for you. The pig is also unclean, although it has a divided hoof. It does not chew the cud. Are you you on the edge of your seat right now? You are not to eat the meat or touch their carcasses. Of all the creatures living in the water, you may only eat 
of that that has fins and scales, but anything that does not have fins and scales. You may not eat, for to you it is unclean. You may eat any clean bird. Okay, it's, gonna, it's about to get good. You may not eat the eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red knight, the black kite, the, any kind of falcon, any kind of raven, the horned owl, and it goes on and on. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. What is up with that one? Never really wanted to cook a goat in milk. But. It wasn't exactly riveting. You ever read Leviticus? It's not exactly riveting. But Josiah heard the word of the Lord. And in 2 Chronicles 34, you could tell something happened. Totally changed his mind. I can just imagine King Josiah sitting up in his bed, listening to the secretary read the word. And King Josiah probably sat up in his bed and he said, wait, I saw somebody cooking a goat in his own mother's milk just last week. We're not supposed to do it. This isn't okay. You know what else the law said? What else he, he would have heard? He would have heard things like, make sure this altar is consecrated to the Lord. Do not set up idols. And he heard all these things that his dad and grandpa did. Turns out they were really wrong. And he became aware of it. And it so shook him that he got the whole nation together. And they all got together. Like, imagine, like, all these people. You remember, how bored were you when I was reading Deuteronomy 14? Like, that wasn't exactly fun. Imagine a whole nation, and it goes on like that for hours. They would have, I'm just flipping. Let's just go to, it would have gone to something like, I'm just going to go to Leviticus, my favorite. Or here's, here's. The half share of those who fought in the battle was 337,500 sheep, of which the tribute for the Lord was 675. <gasps> the word of God for these people meant something. They were totally transformed. And they listened to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And King Josiah consecrated the nation back to the Lord according to God's law. When I imagine this story, it makes me kind of take a step back and I'm like, wait, what? A whole nation stood there and listened to that? And it changed them? Yes, it did. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. And they were committed to following. You see, God had set up a covenant in the first five books. God had set up a covenant. You do these things, you're going to have blessings in your life. You, you don't do these things, there will be curses upon your life. This is just how it works, guys. This is our covenant, and you're in it. So, and all of that, all of those rules, all of the seemingly boring text of the Bible, there was a covenant that God was laying out with his people, a pathway to being blessed, a path of blessing. They listened to it, and they stood and they listened to how they should eat, how they should live, how they should dress, how they should cook their food. This, the, every aspect of their life was transformed because of the word. 
And it should be that same way today. Everything in our life can be touched by the word. It should have significant impact in our life. I can't really imagine all of us getting together on a Tuesday night to listen to me read Leviticus. Not planning that, by the way. But, but are we committed enough to the, to the, to the word, to, to the Lord, to, to read it? I hope so. The word of God is extremely life-giving. But often we act as though it's burdensome. You know, here's a couple verses. I'm skipping a little bit, Don. You can jump with me. These are a few verses in, in Psalm 119 that make me say, wait, what? Here's one. Psalm 119, uh, verse 13. Can you put that one up? Yeah. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Just imagine. With my lips, I re... Leviticus. I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one, in rejo- one rejoices in great riches. So, how would you act if you, get, if you won the lottery? That is how we should feel. That's how David felt when he recounted all of the laws. What? Wait. I said it the other way. Wait, what? <laughs> Psalm 119 verse 31 cracks me up. I'm sorry, 131. I open my mouth and pant. Do we have that one up? I open my mouth and pant. Longing for your commands. Wait, what? (laughs) Are we desperate to hear from God? I'm not desperate necessarily for Leviticus, but I'm desperate to hear from God. I hope you are too. There's a video we're going to show in just a second. In in an island in, uh, in Indonesia... There was a tribe called the Kimyo people, and they had uh, received Jesus by way of missionaries. And um, this video shows the moment that they received a Bible in their language for the first time. I want you to watch how they respond, and just contrast that with your own heart. Let's watch this together. <laughs> Nundi Gerentia or Muladlam's young women, Memor Puku winning out Kimilama, the winning Anzi Anir Lemla, Nunba and Lulama. But Memor Kumia Muladlam's young women, only Nunba gets a po. Semi Mapo, Sumini Venena, Nundi Munisin, Matthew Sampe, Wahyu. Kiki Tangal Venena, Ura, Yosimna, Egingum, Kiaman. Blue Marine and Gensum and Amalaza. Nanny, all of them, 
We don't realize what a precious gift we have and hold in our hands. And these guys were realizing that and saying, God, you've come to us through the Word. as a people if we respected and cherished the word of God just a little more like that. Lord, let your word always have significance in our lives. May we respond to it. Amen. Today I'd like to share with you a dozen things. It's a nice round number, just a dozen. A dozen things that according to the Bible, the word provides for us. Here's a dozen things that the Word gives us. Here's number one. You're going to love this one. Affliction. <laughs> Yay. Affliction. Psalm 119.75, I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. In faithfulness you've afflicted me. Well, Pastor Adam, that doesn't sound very happy. Well, kind of how it goes. You know, the Bible helps us understand what sin is. Our opinions don't define what sin is. The Bible defines what sin is. God is the one, I mean, he made everything. He's the one that determines what's right and what's wrong. So when we become aware of sin, that should be a big deal for us. When, when we realize that the way we've lived or the way that our dad lived or the way that our grandpa lived, doesn't line up? Wait a minute. I'm going to flip everything upside down. That moment of realizing that there's an inconsistency between our life and what God says, I think of it as affliction. God's faithfulness, his word afflicts us with a realization that we, the way we've been ain't right. Shift, adjust. It's kind of like this week my kids have been a little bit sick and, um, and I've... I've told my, my, my kids, you know, take, take this medicine. And oh my goodness, you would think that this bad tasting cough syrup is a death sentence. In, in essence, what they're saying back to me is, no, no, that cough syrup afflicts me. Yeah, it also heals you. It, it afflicts you. Just suck it up for five seconds. I'll stick chocolate in your mouth and then you'll be better for four to six hours. <laughs> just, just do it. It's just a little affliction and then things are better and you get the blessing. The word will bring affliction. Psalm 119, 67 through 68. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Like it's good. You are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. 
think that's important to, to see God, the, the affliction of God. It's good. It's who God is. God is good. And we'll never grow without an affliction of some kind. Pain. Pain is the only way we, we learn. Hopefully, some of us can learn some things through someone else's pain. We have a lot of stories in the Bible to help us learn that way. All right, here's the second thing that the word gives us, number two. I'm giving you a dozen things the word gives us. Number two, a chance to turn our feet towards Jesus. A chance to turn our feet toward Jesus. Psalm 119, 59 says, I have considered my ways and I have turned my steps to your statutes. Don't just read the Bible, do what it says. The word gives us a chance to turn our feet towards Jesus. Not just one chance. Who's happy for more than one? Kind of like, remember, remember like third grade kickball? And like the ball comes and you're like, do over, do over, it was slippery. I gotta have a do over. I am so thankful that God gives me a do over. Oh, thank you Lord for the do overs. The word gives us a chance to turn our feet towards Jesus. Here's number three, the third thing that the word gives us. Blessing. The word gives us blessing if we obey it. That's a very common theme in scripture. If we obey it, we're blessed. It's like, do this and there's blessing. Psalm 119, 1 and 2 says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless who walk according to the law of the Lord. So if you're walking according to the law of the Lord, blessed are you. See, that's how it works. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. I want blessing. I want blessing. So I'm gonna figure out what God says and do it. Here's the fourth thing that the word gives us. The word gives us things that are worth it. Things that are worth it. Verse 37 in Psalm 119 says, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. So there's a contrast between the word and worthless things. Do you want your eyes on something worthless? Or do you want your eyes on something that's worth it? Do you want your life to matter? Do you want your... your your kids to make a difference? Do you want your life to count? What are the things that count? How do we know what counts? That's what counts. We know because of the Bible. Do you want a better marriage? Do you want better children? Do you want a better family? Do you want better work-life balance? Do you want more effective work? Do you want to have a true difference in the world? The guide to all these things is not only in the palm of every hand, it's available in every translation. Like, like, my goodness, if you know English, you got more Bibles at your fingertips. You got the NIV, the NLT, the NASB, the LMNOP, maybe. <laughs> the best one's the ones, one that you're reading every day. And because of the word, we we can have a guide to put our eyes on things that are worth it. I think far too much of our time is going towards things that are not worth it. You call that worthless. 
worthless things. I want my life to make a difference. Yeah. Not worthless. I want there to be meaning behind it. And the guide to this is the word. Here's number five. The fifth thing that the word gives us. Hope. Everybody say hope. Oh. Type it in the chat. Hope. Psalm 119 verse 49 says, Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. Hope for tomorrow. Not just for tomorrow, but the Christian can have hope for the day after tomorrow, the day after that, and all eternity. Right? All eternity. There is hope that there is an eternity that you and I will live in. Here's the, here's the truth. We all exist forever. Everyone, all humans, exist forever. Not everyone lives forever. Only those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. I'll explain more about that in just a second. But those that put their faith in Jesus Christ, the revelation of God, live forever. There is hope for forever that's alive. Here's the sixth thing that the word gives us, giving you a dozen things that the word gives us. Number six, strength. The word gives us strength. Verse 28 in Psalm 119 says, my soul is weary with sorrow. Anybody ever been there? Just, oh, I'm so sad. My soul is weary. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Life is hard. Looking at some of you in the room, like I know what you've been through in the past month. Like, like, there's been some hard things that happened to our lives. Life is hard. We need some extra strength as we live in this broken world. I heard one guy say, Christianity is nothing more than a, than a crutch for the weak. Yep. It's about right. I'm not strong enough. I can't, I can't save myself from my sin. Yeah. I need Jesus. I mean, I, I, I don't like, like to think, think of it as a crutch, though. I like to think of it as like, like a, bi, a spiritual bionic implant. <laughs> go, go, gadget, Jesus. Jesus arm. Go, go, Jesus arm. Power arm. Along those lines, here's the seventh thing that the word gives us. Superpowers against sin. That's number seven. Superpowers against sin. I know somebody's going to email me this week and say, Pastor Adam, only Jesus is super. We don't get superpowers, okay? Yes. But the Bible's called the sword, and you don't have a problem with that one. So let's have fun with it. We get superpowers against sin when we have the Bible. Ephesians 6.17 says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This could be an offensive weapon. What are we fighting? We're fighting the spiritual forces of darkness. Starting with the work of sin in our own lives. So it's not, <laughs> sometimes it's, <laughs> we need to go on the offense with the word. Some of us, perhaps all of us, don't like to be told how to live. I heard um, a long time ago there was this sketch that they would do on Saturday Night Live. It was called Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. 
one of my favorite ones that, that I ever saw was, was he, would say, he, would, he would do these things where you'd get like really serious and then he would say like a deep thought. And here's one. I think in a past life, I must have been a king because I like it when people do what I say. <laughs> Anybody relate? You just like it when people do what you think. It's better that way, right? We like to be in charge of myself. I think we all deal with this in one way or another, but maybe, that's, maybe it's a particularly a challenge for you. For example, someone tells us what we need to do and we kind of buck over the rules. How do you feel when someone tells you to put a mask on, wash your hands before returning to work, or wear a seatbelt? Some of us resist even that. In fact, history shows that when car seats for babies became a requirement, People freaked out. How dare you tell me I must buckle a child? Or perhaps when your boss or leader gives you direction, your pride likes to step in and throw shade on it a little bit. Like, like, like you have this desire to explain why you're right and they're wrong. Am I the only one that has this tendency? It's like, we like to be in charge of ourselves. I want to be in the master of me. I think we all have this problem in varying degrees. We like to be the master of me. And it's this, it's this trick of the enemy that allows us to think we're actually mastering ourselves. That is total foolishness. Because when you think you're the master of, of you, what is that? That's pride, which is sin, Sin is the master of you. Not you. Sin is. Psalm 119, 133 says, direct my footsteps. You get to be in charge. I like to be in charge of me, but I like it better when you're in charge of me. Even if it afflicts me sometimes, I like it better when you're in charge of me, Lord. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin Rule over me. I think it's interesting that, the, that the, the idea that I can be in charge of myself is really just a big fat lie. When you think you are, it's your sin of pride that's in charge of you. Am I making sense? So let no sin rule over me. One thing rules over me. Jesus. Not my opinions. Jesus. When we become a Christian, we give up our right to choose. You give it up to him. So the Bible gives us superpowers against sin. How does, how does this work? We have to fight sin. How does this work to be offensive? Sometimes it's fighting the devil and sometimes it's killing what needs killed in ourselves. Here's the trick, Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amazing. You want to stop sinning? How do you do it? Start memorizing some scripture. Psalm 119, 11. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. How does this work? I want to look at stuff I shouldn't on the internet. Ugh. Job 31, I've made a covenant with my eyes. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Matthew 5.28, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. Hide these things in your heart. 
so that you won't sin against the Lord. I had a rough day. I just feel like just getting drunk. Ephesians 5, don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit instead. 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Nobody's going to know if I tell this lie. Uh, the Bible gives you superpowers over sin. Nobody's going to tell if I tell this lie. Psalm 44, would not the Lord discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Somebody's going to know if I tell this lie. Will not the Lord find this out? I'm pretty stressed. I had a pretty stressful few weeks. I'm just going to drive up to Michigan to get some snacks. <laughs> if you don't know why people are laughing, I'm not talking to you. First Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful for the devil who looks for a foothold. Philippians chapter 4 says God is able to supply everything we need. I don't need that. John 15 says, apart, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if I want to do anything, I need God with it. So why do I need something else? I need God. I just need to take the edge off. Jesus, can you take the edge off? Why turn to something else? Why turn to something else? Here's the eighth thing that the word gives us. Let me give you the eighth thing, number eight. Enhanced wisdom. Enhanced wisdom. Verses 98 through 100 say, your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. Woo, getting a little cocky there, are you, David? I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. If you're in school, do not quote that to your teachers. Just FYI, that's just a good tip. I have more understanding than you. Just pro tip. Don't say that. But it's true. If you live according to the word, you have insight that gives you enhanced wisdom. If you follow according to God's word, you have insight that gives you enhanced wisdom. You have the advantage you should think, behave, and operate differently. Because this thing should impact every corner of your lives. Our bosses should say, man, you handled that conflict with grace, and you still stood up to them. Never seen that. How? Because you read Proverbs and know how to be wise. When we follow the word, our life is marked different. We don't fit in. We stand out. Yes. Here's number nine. I'm giving you a dozen things that the word gives us. Number nine, the definition of what's right. The word gives us the definition of what's right. Psalm 119 verse 138 says, The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. Aren't you glad that in a world that's changing daily, Drastically changing. There's something that doesn't. We always know what's right. It's our, it can be like true north. Isn't your opinion. This is what's fully trustworthy. Here's number 10. The 10th thing that the word gives us, it gives us a light. It gives us a light. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet. A light 
for my path. The word is a source of security in a dark place. I was visiting, this past week I was visiting the South Auburn location. There's a part uh, in the building in the back that has some stairs. And I was going up and I'm just like, <laughs> going up the stairs. And then like the last three or four steps, it was like, they, like, they weren't there. It was like, like there was nothing. It was like there were steps and then nothing. And I know that up there, like this is like where I want to be, but there's, there's just, it was just this little area where no light touches it. It's just a really dark spot. I'm getting up, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, that's still a step. I thought, yeah, they were there. And then I got to the top. It's just a few steps. You ever been walking someplace in your house, there's just a dark spot? You just don't see it. Anyone walk in their spiritual life? They, walk, they go through life and they, you just come across a spot and you're like, I don't know what to do. There's like a gap here. What's my next step? I can't see my step. The word is a light to my path. I had the opportunity just a few weeks ago. Anyone ever heard of Mark Batterson? He's the author, he's a best-selling author. He wrote uh, The Circle, Circle Maker, and I feel like every book he writes just goes to the top of the list and sells a bunch because he's an amazing author, he's awesome. And I had the opportunity to be a part of a Zoom call with like 10 other people. It wasn't a big group. It was like 10 people and Mark Batterson. I was like, hey, do you want to get in on this and come to it? I was like, yeah. Yeah. They're like, hey, you could even, we're, we're going to be talking about his new book that, we, you know, my, my team just read. You can come in and, and be a part. You can ask any questions you want. And I was like, no. I don't want to ask the guy questions. I didn't read that book yet. I'm not going to ask a question. So I, was like, I hadn't read the guy's book. Don't call on me. I want to be there and glean whatever I can, but I hadn't read the, I didn't read that book. And they're talking about that. I'm going to look like a nerd in front of the author. <laughs> don't want to do that. If you're ever walking through life and you start thinking like, like oh, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about this? Have, have you tried reading the Bible God hasn't told me. God hasn't told me what I should do. I keep waiting for God to speak. I keep waiting for God to speak. I keep waiting for God to speak. But did you read his book? He wrote a book for you. Just makes sense. And I think it's helpful for all of us to develop a lifestyle of reading his book. If you want help with that, we have a tool that can help you. If you're worshiping online, there's going to be a thing popping up any second now. Uh, that'll take you straight to a, a link in our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group that is a Bible reading group. Every day we post a chapter of the Bible. Hey, read this. Let's talk about it. If you want to follow that same plan, you can get it also on the events page at mynewhope.in, and we can read the Bible together. Uh, and if you do that, you'll be having a healthy diet of nutrition, spiritual nutrition, uh, and feeding yourself. Here's the 11th thing. Number, I'm giving you a dozen things the word gives us. Here's number 11. A moldable heart. A moldable heart. Verse 70 and 71 says, Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Here's the truth. When you reject the word enough, you're going to start to feel less. Hearts can be callous. If you reject the word, hearts will be, become callous. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just gr grab something sharp and kind of 
gently poke the bottom of your foot. You'll find one. There's spots at the bottom of our feet that don't feel like they, like they would have when we were, had baby feet. Feet get calloused. And hearts do too if you reject God long enough. Perhaps the word hardly affects you at all because you're so good at ignoring them. Your feeler of receptiveness is in the pits. But the way out of it is this, enjoying the word, delighting in the word, accepting the Bible's teaching into our lives gives us the opposite of that, a moldable heart, a heart that can feel. I think some of us have hearts that can't feel. We miss that. You remember a time when your heart could feel and you're not feeling it anymore. Lord, I pray for your word to impact our lives in such a way that we feel again. Amen. I said there's a dozen things the word gives us. Here's the last one. Freedom. Number 12 is freedom. The word gives us freedom. Psalm 119.45 says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I walk about in freedom because I know what the Bible says. The greatest way to find freedom is to know who you are. The word tells us who we are. The word tells you who you are. And then I can be able to just be myself. When the devil comes knocking on my door, I can just look at him and say, do you know who my dad is? Not that one. My dad's awesome, but my other dad's even better. Do you know who my dad is? Do you know who I am? I'm a child of the king. I can walk about in freedom. I don't have to put up with this enemy in my life. I can walk about in freedom. I don't have to be in bondage to sin anymore because I can walk about in freedom. Why? Because of the word. It gives us freedom from bondage to sin and pride. The word gives us freedom from sin and a chance to follow Jesus as our Savior. You see, in the Old Testament, when they referred to the Word, uh, they were referring to God's revelation to man. That's what the Word was. That's how they knew who God was, was because of the Word. Knowing that, John, when he, John started writing his, his book, John tapped into that knowledge that the word is God's revelation to man. And John wrote, in the very beginning, there was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. If you didn't pick up on it yet, he's not talking about pages. He's not talking about scrolls. He's talking about Jesus. God's revelation to man. Jesus Christ. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And Jesus was life. And the word was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The word, Jesus, provides this freedom. You can have freedom in your life. Freedom to walk about and be who you are. Be who God made you. A child of the king. Would you stand with me?
Here's how it works. God created us to be together with him. But sin entered the world. Sin is missing the mark, and it separates us from God. And nothing we do can fix it. We can't do good enough things to be connected with God again. Because the only thing that can pay the penalty for sin is death, which is why everyone upon, upon birth were condemned to a life of separation from God, spiritual death. But God wanted to make a way, and he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. He died for us instead of us. He paid the bill. He paid it forward, I guess. He paid the bill so I don't have to pay the bill. He paid the bill so you don't have to pay the bill of death. It's a free gift, but you have to receive it. You have to receive it and step into it and say, okay, God, I'll receive that gift and I'll follow you. If you want to make that decision, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Let's all close our eyes. If you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, I, I encourage you to, uh, to take the step of faith in your heart. Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. And I've fallen short. I believe that you died to pay the price for me. And I want to receive you into my life. I want my life to follow your plans. I want to surrender all of my life over to what you want and follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In the name of Jesus, there is hope. In the name of Jesus, there is a future. Yes. The word, the revelation of God to us is Jesus. And in him there is life. Let's join together in Worship our Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pursue you.